Hello, welcome to UWO Now. In 2002, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh signed the Earth Charter, thereby pledging to pursue a course of sustainability. For UW Oshkosh, this pledge means infusing sustainability in all that it does, from academics to student affairs, research, service, outreach, facilities operations and management, and administration. Building on this pledge, UWO Oshkosh signed the American College and University President's Climate Commitment back in 2007, which obligates campuses to strive for climate neutrality by mid-century or sooner. That is from the UWO Sustainability Institute for Regional Transformations website. Here to talk about sustainability with us here today on UWO Now is Bradley Spanbauer, who's Sustainability Director here at UWO. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to meet you. Good to have you here to talk about sustainability. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us, why don't we just start with defining what sustainability is? what it is. I think many people may have an idea. I know when I first arrived here on campus and, and learned about uh, CERT and with the efforts with regard to sustainability at UWO, I kind of, you know, the, the, the term kind of makes it kind of obvious maybe what it is, but I kind of would like to clear that up first and just talk about what sustainability is and, and um, how it impacts others. But let's first define what sustainability is. Absolutely. So um, there are a few ways uh, that I think in general we, we define sustainability. One, one pretty common um, way that it is defined is from a, a document um, that was produced uh, in the late 1980s called the Brundtland Report, um, and, or sometimes called Our Common Future. And that was a, a global um, gathering of people who, you know, saw our need as a as an earthly society to um, come together and say we, we need to be more sustainable with our earth. And so, a definition of sustainability that we use is the ability of present generations to meet their needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs or I sometimes say leaving enough and as good for others. Um, sustainability has three sort of core tenets, and that is um, you know, sound uh, environmental or ecological aspects, social justice, and economic viability or economic justice. And so those things all need to be in balance, the environment, the economy, and equity measures should really all be balanced if something is truly sustainable, whether that's a program, an initiative, a society, whatever, however you want to define it. Okay, so that sounds great. So I'm driving around listening to this podcast or listening to this radio show, and I say to myself, okay, great. Um, What's that got to do with me? Mm -hmm. uh, you're doing this on a university-wide level, uh, applying these things. So what's, what is sustainability? How do you boil that down to everyone's household, everyone who might be listening to me today? 
Yeah, I I also look at sustainability as a way for continuous improvement. And so if we think about those three tenets, about the environment, about the sort of fiscal side, right, being fiscally responsible, um, and thinking about equity, right, or people, the social aspect, um, you know, you want to be... Uh, good actors, right, and good stewards in all of those arenas. And so um, I think on a micro level for someone who wants to be sustainable at home, um, that can touch a lot of areas, right, being smart with your money, being smart with your utility use, um, you know, lots of lots of those, those kinds of things. And so um, that's how I view my role as a sustainability director for UW Oshkosh's. I try to help keep right the university's um, house on a on a path of continuous improvement in reducing our energy use, which saves us money, um, reducing how much waste or recycling we produce, right, which should save mm-hmm. us money, um, being a good steward of our grounds in the surrounding environment? Does that support wildlife? Um, Does that help with water quality? Uh, Those kinds of things. So sustainability really touches everything. And I think, um, you know, any person can be sustainable if they're just choosing to make these kind of conscious decisions for improvement. Have you found that more and more people are conscious of these uh, types of decisions that they make that would fall into the sustainability category. I mean, we started this initiative many, mm, a couple of decades ago, I guess now, close mm-hmm. to it. Have attitudes about sustainability, have they grown? Have they improved? What, what, what's been your observation? I think they have. Um, I think in general... You know, people may not define what it is they're doing mm-hmm. as sustainability, um, but it definitely aligns with those kinds of changes or um, methods for improvement, right? For finding efficiencies, for ways to save money, uh, those kinds of things. Sustainability is also really growing and becoming much more prevalent in, you know, kind of the private business sector because it makes sense for them. Um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that will hire folks, sustainability professionals, um, you know, kind of their internally or as a, as a consulting, um, you know, as a consultant to work for them because, you know, it it might take on the role of an energy manager. How do you Mm -hmm. get your facilities to use less energy, um, use less heat and electricity that helps your bottom line, right? That lowers your costs. Um, how do you reduce waste, right? The less waste you produce, the less you need to have picked up, and that can reduce your costs. So a lot of this is really tied up in um, being efficient and just being, I think, smart with resource use is, is I think, a, a really you know simple way to boil it down as well. You're listening to UWO Now. I'm Wendell Ray, and we're talking today about sustainability with Bradley Spanbauer, who is Sustainability Director here at UWO. Back in 2008, UWO initiated a sustainability plan, which was updated back in 2014. UWO uses what's known as STARS, 
sustainability tracking assessment and rating system to assess and report sustainability data and progress. The campus registered as a charter member in August of 2010 and has had gold ratings, a gold rating since 2013. So there has been an initiative on campus to uh, infuse sustainability in all areas. Uh, and we'll talk about certain in a second, but tell us about some of the things that have gone on on campus that uh, people may want to know about that, um, that, you're, that you're in charge of. Sure. So um, the, the tracking and rating system that you mentioned, STARS, uh, is put out by a group called AASHE, that's A-A-S-H-E, stands for the Association for the Advancement of Sustainability in Higher Education. It is a group that many universities actually worldwide are a part of, and they use that to track and measure their success in a lot of different areas um, for how sustainable you know, their, their initiatives are. So um, you might look at, in, on the academic side, what courses in sustainability do you offer? And so you kind of count how many, you know, how many does the institution offer across how many departments or majors, that kind of thing. Um, we also look very strongly at the operational side of the institution. So mm -hmm. are you improving efficiency in your facilities? Um, you know, UW Oshkosh is home to eight LEED certified facilities. So that's um, L-E-E-D, stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. And uh, some of our buildings are rated at the gold level, a couple are rated at silver level, and then we have some others that just at some other levels. Um, based on uh, whether they were just renovated or versus a new construction. Um, but basically that means we're building a better building. We're building a more efficient building. So the kinds of materials that went into that building are locally sourced, are made of recycled content, um, are mm. being mindful of reducing how much, how many resources went into building that building. Um, you need to have a high recycled content or... Um, construction and demolition diversion rate. So, you know, if, if something was taken down to replace that building, what are you doing with all that material? How are you recycling it or not having it end up in a landfill? Um, and then once the building goes live, what are the energy systems like, right? So you want to be really smart with um, reducing your electricity use, reducing how much cooling and heating the building needs. Um, so that's just one aspect on the facility side. Um, we infuse sustainability, uh, you know, as you've mentioned, into all different kinds of operational areas, whether that's dining for students and employees on campus. Um, we grow about a third of our lettuce and herbs right here on campus in a room called the Harvest Room. Is that right? In our union, yep. Didn't know that. And so that is all... Um, managed and grown by a, a, a dining uh, a dining staff member and then two student interns who you know kind of monitor and, and grow all of this produce for us right that that kind of reduces our food miles right the, the lettuce only has to go from one room to the kitchen next door um, it's all grown hydroponically that room was paid for by something called the student green fund that was initiated in 2014. Um, and that came up through student government. Students said, we are also in support of sustainability. We want to see sustainability initiatives happen. 
And so they voted to create a fund that is paid for through segregated fees. They charge themselves $3, approximately $3 per semester. Um, and that creates a pool of money to fund student-generated sustainability initiatives like the Harvest Room. Wow, incredible. So uh, so you're mentioning students, and, and we talked about various buildings on campus, and you talked about an internship when you talked about students. So tell us about what CERT is and how that um, plays a role uh, on the UWO campus. And um, yeah, how, how, what is CERT, S-I-R-T? Sure. So CERT, or the Sustainability Institute for Regional Transformations, um, started in about 2017. Um, and it was launched to really bring together and foster collaboration among UWO faculty, so to sort of um, help engender interdisciplinary projects, um, but also weaving in staff. Um, CERT is also meant to have a outward-facing focus as well, so a connection to the region and the community, hence regional transformation. So um, the goal, you know, sort of at the, at, the, at the end of right when we kind of get to where we feel like CERT is really living out its fullest um, potential is that CERT is also uh, kind of serves as a, a hub and a source of information for people in our communities to learn more about sustainability, right? Learn um, skills and information and those kinds of things to help improve their lives as well. Um, and you know, some of that may be rooted in research, some of that may be rooted in community partnerships or business partnerships. So there's a lot of layers to what CERT's you know, kind of role is. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine you talked about construction projects, locally sourced materials and so forth, but that requires that there be local businesses that can provide that level of uh, efficient use of material, efficient use in construction. Was that difficult to find? Or how has that partnership developed and grown? Uh, what's the synergy there between local businesses and the university and what we're trying to do here? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there is, I think those relationships definitely exist. Um, you know, speaking to something like local materials, again, I think because so many businesses are also um, moving towards this idea of infusing sustainability on their end more, there is sort of this synergistic effect where they're, they're starting to do those kinds of initiatives as well, and they're seeing the importance of locally sourced materials and improving efficiency. I mean, I think the, the general move of the world right towards those things um, creates uh, opportunities and pockets uh, in, in different sectors, public and private, um, so it makes those partnerships kind of easy to, to come together. On campus, so students can major in something like, you talked about going out, you know, now having people who might be consultants at some point uh, in the business industry or in corporate America. Uh, so are we preparing students? Are there certificates? Are there degrees? What, what are the, uh, what can students do to capitalize on the sustainability movement here at UWO? So um, sustainability is a core piece of our general education program called University Studies Program. 
Um, so it is one of the three signature questions. It basically says, how do we create and sustain a more durable, sustainable world? So you will find sustainability courses across the colleges, across the departments. Um, a student may take a sustainability class in the College of Business. Um, you know, a student may take a sustainability class in communications or in biology or in anthropology. Um, so there's a, a whole variety of disciplines that have kind of brought sustainability in through their lens, right, through their mm -hmm. disciplinary background to infuse that. Now, certainly there are departments that um, naturally lean more towards sustainability, like our environmental studies program, um, right? That is, a, that is a program that is going to be very focused um, on sustainability, but also keeping in mind that broad disciplinary approach of the sciences, um, the humanities, so thinking about things like social justice, thinking about things like um, a viable economy. Um, so all of those pieces are sort of woven into um, a major, like an environmental studies major. So I'm in my home, uh, Brad, and um, how does all of this that you're talking about uh, on the UWO campus, how can I take some things and apply them to uh, my own life? Yeah, I recycle. I'm going to talk about that as well. But what are some other things maybe that I can consider uh, that maybe I'm not considering? Maybe I am and don't even realize it. Uh, let's talk about how we can uh, kind of discuss what might be happening in someone's household. So how do you apply that to someone who's listening who, that's great what we're doing at UWO, but how can I uh, take some of these ideas and initiatives and apply them in my own home? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of ways that folks can apply sustainability at home um, because I think sustainability is about continuous improvement and finding efficiency uh, in your own in your own life. Um, and so, you know, that may be something like looking at your utility bills, whether that's water use, electricity use, natural gas use for your heat. Um, you know, I always say to people, when was the last time your electric bill went down, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, good question. So, uh, you know, how, how, how do you reduce your energy use? I mean, if you feel like your bills are, are getting too high, um, you know, certainly turning off lights when you're not using them and just being, there's a, there's a behavior change component, right, that we have to kind of hold ourselves to. And so that's something I do at home. I try to, um, you know, unplug things so you don't want to leave things plugged in because there is sort of a, a draw from the grid just having certain stuff plugged in. There's kind of called that phantom mm. draw. Um, uh, just again, making sure you, you turn lights off that you, that you don't need. Um, you know, another really common practice that um, we like to tell folks is turning your um, heat or air conditioning, you know, up or down, even just one or two degrees can really make, uh, make a big difference. So, um, you know, does your air conditioning need to be set at 68 or could you dial it up to 70, right? Like, does that, does that matter? And, um, you know, by and large, it does that those little incremental changes can, can make a difference. What about recycling? Okay. So we've got the blue tub, we got the regular trash and everybody gets a nice warm feeling when you, um, separate and you try to figure out is this recyclable is that not recyclable but once you get over that hurdle and figure it all out and separate trash 
how do I actually know that something's being recycled? How do I know that for sure? I mean, it leaves my home. And like I say, I feel good that I've done my part and I'm helping the environment. But what happens uh, to those individual trash bins? Uh, do they stay separate? What happens when uh, you recycle? I'm talking about household items. Um, what happens? Yeah. Is, is it worth it? Um, it, I think it is. You know, it, recycling is an interesting topic uh, that that certainly is tethered to sustainability. Um, and I can I can speak to certainly sort of the the recycling uh, you know industry in the in the region and, and to some extent in the Midwest. I mean, we uh, we are lucky living in Wisconsin where um, recycling uh, is built into state law and code. And so there are materials that are banned from landfill um, that need to be recycled. A lot of obvious things like electronics, but then there are certainly the, the sort of what I would call kind of regular everyday items, plastic, glass, aluminum, paper, um, you know, that uh, have become more prevalent in this idea of what we call single stream recycling. So this is the idea where, right, things don't need to be separated in individual bins, it all goes into one okay. container. Um, and by and large, single stream recycling has, I would say, generally become the norm for many places in the country. Um, so yeah, you put your stuff in the bin and uh, it, you roll it out to the end of your street and it gets picked up by a truck, right? Where does it go? Um, you know, for the, for the counties right around Oshkosh and for Winnebago County that we're in, um, it generally will go to a transfer station and then it goes to the Outagamie County recycling facility. And so oftentimes counties will have partnerships where they will bring their recycling together to sort it and then separate items. So all the paper goes to, you know, kind of one bay. Um, and so they have uh, some machine or mechanical elements that separate these materials. And then they also have people doing some, some hand separating. Um, but a lot of the a lot of these commodities are separated by machinery, so they can make entire bales of aluminum cans, plastic bottles, paper, cardboard, right? These sorts of things that are separated, and then there are different markets, right, that are looking for those materials. Some have better markets than others, and mm -hmm. certainly, just like with everything, um, those markets can experience you know upswings and, and downswings. So. Um, you know, sometimes aluminum can sell really high. Sometimes it might sell a little lower. Some plastics are worth more than others. Um, being where we are in the state and we have a, a strong background in the paper industry, paper has kind of always been a, a strong market for us. So, um, you know, bottom line recycling in this part of Wisconsin is really, really good, as I would say it probably is in a lot of places in Wisconsin. Um, so it does matter, and folks should really, you know, be sure that they're following their county guidelines to do it right. So, okay, you mentioned a few materials. Uh, I think people can recognize the benefits and maybe even see uh, in the grocery store uh, what happens when you recycle paper. You see, you know, this was, you know, you buy paper plates. This is made from recycled material. Uh, you mentioned aluminum, and, the, and I'm sure uh, there are other materials that really do well with recycling. But we've also seen plastics in the ocean, 
and I think the biggest culprit is, you know, plastic bottles, again, and plastic bags. And there's a move to try and get more paper, I guess, when you go to the grocery store. They'll ask you paper or plastic. But with regard to paper, uh, uh, with regard to, like, plastic bottles and so forth, are are those bottles recyclable, first of all? Uh, and if they are, what in the world's going on and why are why is so much of it ending up in our oceans? Those are great questions. Um, so the material is recyclable. Um, you know, I would like to say yes, it does. It does get recycled. Um, you know, like anyone, I can't know that with a hundred percent certainty. But I do know that again, in in this area the markets for recycling are better. And so it's more likely um, that those materials end up, you know, sort of where they need to be. They can be melted down and, and made into, um, remade right into a, into a similar container again. And so I know um, like one type of plastic that is very um, kind of readily reused is the, the plastic that you would make like a milk container, a milk jug out of. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they one of the things they say at the recycling center is, you know, the, the milk jugs kind of all go together. They go after the place that makes milk jugs and they melt them down and they make milk containers again. So that's a material, right, that has a has more of a, uh, a more easily um, circular loop that you can kind of point to. Um, other types of plastics, uh, you know, I think we would hope, right, that that is happening with those. Um, but but you're not wrong. It is it is hard sometimes to point to the, um, you know, kind of the stream or the life cycle of these materials as they move through. And so, um, you know, some really easy tips or things I would tell people at home. Um, one is think about um, what you use on a daily on a daily basis, and can you switch to a reusable item? You know, now I know that kind of sounds. Um, perhaps obvious and maybe like, well, now I have to remember to bring my, my bag with me every time I go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. But I think if we all make conscious efforts to take small steps, right, um, you know, leave a couple bags in your car. That's what I've started doing. I just leave my reusable grocery bags in my car. They're in the back seat. They don't take up a lot of space, um, right? And then I remember to, to take them with me when I go in. Do I still grab a plastic bag every once in a while? Yeah, I have to. I also use them for trash bags. So I reuse because I produce so little trash. Um, I use a small grocery bag for, for my trash. So how, tell me, how is it that you are producing a little trash? Is that on purpose? Uh, how does that actually happen? And how might someone else be able to uh, get some tips from you and, and then apply them to their own uh, ecosystem at home. Sure, absolutely. Um, so uh, the majority of my food waste, I compost. And so I separate, um, you know, when you're preparing a meal, cutting up vegetables and fruits, those kinds of things, that all goes into a, a compost bin. Um, and so that compost bin. No, okay. Uh, you know what that is. You probably, did you, did you build one or uh, Tell me what a compost bin looks like. Is it in your home? Is it out in your garden? Where is this co compost bin? Sure. 
So I have a, a small plastic bin that has a lid, so you could use something like a five-gallon bucket right? that has a top on it, um, that I put my food waste in, um, coffee grounds, maybe even like paper napkins, if you had that, those kinds of things. Um, probably don't want to put a lot of like meat or bones or those kinds of things in there, but really anything, fruits, vegetables. Yeah, um, it's just going to uh, attract um you know more pests and rodents, okay. um, and also it's going to not break down in the potentially in the right ways that you'd want with some of your other compostable materials. But okay, so you've got this bucket, and then what happens with it when it gets full? So I actually um, have some friends who do composting for me. They have a very large um, garden, but I have composted at home before on my own, and so there are compost bins that are available. You can go out and buy sort of a you know a plastic four-sided bin that would sit, you know, in a, in a space in your yard. Um, it would probably look about the size of a, of a garbage bin. Um, and you can basically start putting, you know, your compostable materials in there if you've got yard waste. So, you know, raking up leaves in fall or if you cut your grass, that material can all go in there. And that will start to break down. So the you know, kind of natural um, group of microorganisms is going to break that down and essentially turn it into soil in a way. Um, but right then you can use that on your gardens, whether that's a vegetable garden or a flower garden. So um, that's one way to reduce waste in sort of your immediate trash is get those compostable materials out. Um, you're going to reduce your smell. Um, and it just is kind of separating into a separate stream that you're going to deal with in a special way. Um, also recycling. So just, again, making sure a lot of your plastic, glass, aluminum, paper, those kinds of materials are separated into your recycling streams. And the way I do recycling at home is I have a paper bag that I put all my paper and cardboard into. And so that allows me to pick up the bag very easily and just put that in my curbside bin. Um, you don't have to do it that way, but I think it makes it easier. It also kind of keeps all the paper together versus any other container. So if I would have a you know, plastic peanut butter container or a metal can that I had some beans come in, right? Um, you want to rinse those things out, those go into a separate bin. But when I go to put them all together into my curbside bin, then they are kind of mixed mm -hmm. together. Um, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things I think uh, I would tell people, and I think the recycling folks would appreciate me telling, is we don't want to use plastic film bags to bag up our recycling. So when those, if materials end up at the recycling facility, and this film is, bags like the ones you get at the grocery store, that right? We're talking about okay. yep. So like a a bag you would get from the grocery store, or even if you would buy, you know, sort of like a blue or a clear plastic yeah. bag to put your recycling in, um, those materials that end up at the recycling facility will more than likely just be taken to the landfill mm. because they do not have the time to open those bags, and empty the recycling out. So the goal of single-stream recycling is everything needs to be loose because the way the machinery separates it, um, everything needs to be, you know, kind of be able to spread out and then it goes off in its different directions through the machines. Um, so number, number one rule I always tell people is no plastic bags. Use a paper bag, that's great. Paper bags will, can kind of empty and spill out. The paper will all go in its direction. If you would use a paper bag to collect 
plastic bottles, if you're drinking water or soda, right, something like that, that will go in its in its separate direction at the facility. Um, and so again, keeping all of those materials out of your trash is going to keep your your trash volume, you know, lower. I got you. Okay. Uh, when we first started, you mentioned uh, these E's, um, the environment, ecology, equity. You also talk about the economy. Um, let's talk about uh, the ecology of it. Let's talk about equity. Uh, I know we want to make sure that things are being done in a sustainable way that doesn't impact necessarily in a negative way the economy, but sets a stage so that future generations will have a nice place to live, essentially. So let's talk about the ecological part of sustainability. How does, what are some of the areas that the ecology uh, touches on when we're talking about sustainability? Sure. Um, so if we think about, you know, that on campus, uh, right, or for UW Oshkosh, um, you know, we try to maintain our grounds in a very ecologically sound way. Um, and so we have lots of areas with native plants. Um, you know, native plants are uh, adapted to this environment. They've been here for thousands of years and have been kind of, you know, evolving along through the um, changes of this area. Uh, so having a plant that's native to Wisconsin is is a good thing as opposed to having, you know, a plant that is not? And why is that? Um, sure. So, uh, you know, they are, again, adapted to this um, you know, the soil conditions here, they're adapted to our rain patterns. They're adapted to, in, in general, our, our, our weather patterns, right? They can deal with the cold winters. They can deal with the hot summers. Um, and so they're just, they're more likely to survive. They're also offering habitat to the organisms um, that have right kind of coincided um, along with them uh, in this area. So they're they're serving as a as a space for insects and birds and, you know, small mammals, those kinds of things. Okay. Um, well, what about the equity portion of uh, sustainability? I, I think I know, but I, I'd like you to uh, kind of teach us a little bit about what that portion of sustainability is. Sure. Um, so equity is certainly very important. Uh, in sustainability, uh, we sometimes kind of define that as a as a social justice piece. We sometimes define it as an environmental justice piece. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that that overlaps with the economy piece and the environmental piece. Um, one example I like to point out to people in thinking about equity or the social justice or environmental justice, is our, through our facilities. So I talked before about our lead buildings. When we build lead buildings, um, we think about the kinds of materials that are used inside the building. And so that might be something like paint, right? And so when you paint um, a room, there is a, there is a smell, right? I think we all know the kind of fresh paint smell. Yeah. Um, those chemicals that are coming off in the air are, are really not good for us as humans to breathe in. Um, and there are lots of people, right, who have uh, sensitivities to those mm -hmm. things, right, that kind of thing. So um, when we 
build lead buildings um, and even you know just now general practice we try to look for paints and other kinds of those um, surface materials that are called low VOC and so that just means they don't have these chemicals in them that can be very uh, aggravating to human systems right we know they can you know cause diseases right and all this other other stuff um, how that ties to sort of the equity piece is it thinks about two groups of people, right? It thinks about the groups of people who are going to use those spaces every day at UWO, who are going to spend three hours a day teaching or learning in that space and being exposed to those chemicals. So it thinks about those people. It also thinks about the people, you know, if we kind of move down the economic chain, right, who is making that stuff, right? Who is making the low VOC paint versus the traditional paint, right? The person making the traditional paint is possibly likely, um, more likely to be exposed to some of those chemicals that could be, you know, considered pretty harsh. If you're making a, a, a better product, right? Something that uses less of those harmful chemicals, um, you're creating an economic demand for a material that allows someone who is working in that space to also suffer less, mm. right? And I think that's an important connection or right? sort of a, an important web to think about. There's also this thing when you talk about equity about the, the impact, the environmental imp impact, ecological impact on poor communities um, when there's a disproportionate number of factories emitting certain sorts of chemicals into the air uh, that typically happens in poor neighborhoods, uh, minority neighborhoods, and, 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 and towns and cities. What, in a, in a general way, is being done, if, to your knowledge, to improve that situation? Um, or what can be done? Yeah, th those, are, those are great points. Um, and they are, they are definitely a real issue uh, that I think folks in the sustainability realm are very aware of and are, you know, seeking to address um, through, through various pathways. Um, it, is, it is certainly true that there are um, minoritized communities, um, right, other communities of lower socioeconomics that are often the site of, um, you know, these kinds of activities that produce a lot of pollution. Um, and you know who who wants to live right next to a, a company or a or a site that is producing a lot of um, emissions into the air that are going to you know have uh, health impacts to the people living you know not not just far away but also more mm -hmm. immediate to that um, to that space and so it is a very real issue. Um, I think it I think awareness uh, is one of the biggest ways in which we start to address those inequities that touch sustainability. Um, because if you have a community of people who is already depressed economically, right, they may not have the ability um, fiscally to move out of that area or to get to a doctor because they have asthma, mm -hmm. right? Or so... So you have to look at, a, again, at this whole web of services um, and circumstances that exist 
in that community. Um, and I think sustainability, you know, folks who, who work in that realm seek to kind of tease pieces of that web apart and say, how do we address a, a, a better transportation system for these folks? How do we address, um, you know, reducing pollution for, for these people? How do we work to improve their lives broadly, right, generally? Um, and I, I think in general, as a society becoming more aware of that, right, just starts to peel back the layers on that and we start to see those inequities that are tied to sustainability. UW Oshkosh signed the American College and University President's Climate Commitment in 2007, which obligates campuses to strive for climate neutrality by mid-century or sooner. Mid-century, okay, 2050. So, um, first of all, let's define climate neutrality. What does that mean? And how is UWO progressing in that area? Absolutely. So, um, when we talk about climate neutrality, we're talking about gases that warm the climate. Um, generally, we're talking about you know CO two carbon dioxide emissions from the burning of fossil fuels, um, but we also need to look at other types of gases, uh, methane, so CH four, um, and you know there there there's a there's a whole list of other um, other gases that warm the climate. Um, that comes from burning fossil fuels, and we get a lot of our energy as a society, right, from, from fossil fuels to electricity production, direct natural gas burning to heat our buildings, right, heat our homes. This is how, you know, the vast majority of, of Americans get their energy. Um, and so, you know, we know scientifically that there is a link um, between the use of fossil fuels and what we are seeing happening on a, on a global scale. Um, and so, you know, the goal is to reduce the use of those fossil fuels, um, down to the point where it would be neutral. Um, and so can we produce enough renew energy from renewable sources versus non-renewable sources, right? So there's kind of a net zero yep. effect. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I know the automobile industry has set, uh, goals to be producing total electric cars by depending on which company by certain years coming up within the next five ten years for many of those automakers that's one airplane industry another the, they've got some 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 bigger hurdles to jump but uh, those are I guess examples or that is an example when we talk about the auto industry of making a transformation changing an industry really uh, fundamentally uh, to uh, meet the needs of the future generations and to be a little bit more sustainable. Um, wow, fantastic. So there was also recently a summit here. Can you talk a little bit about the sustainability summit that took place here at UWO and what came of that summit? Absolutely. So two years ago, um, the chancellor came to CERT and said, I'd like to host a sustainability summit. Um, and bring together faculty, staff, and students from UWO and really talk about um, you know, 
keeping sustainability top of mind and, and that continuous improvement idea, moving that forward. Um, and so for the last two years in May, we had a sustainability summit and we bring together, you know, faculty. We bring together people from our facilities, from dining, from purchasing, from marketing, right? Really all, all over representing different corners of the institution um, because these folks are the ones working, right? They're, they're doing the work in their areas. Um, but it allows us to come together and say, you know, towards our sustainability plan, towards our climate action plan, towards the university's strategic plan, how are we all working together, again, to improve and to be more sustainable in these various areas? And so it gives us the opportunity um, to kind of go through some goals or objectives that we've set in the past and say, you know, how well are we measuring ourselves, um, us against ourselves? And how do you measure how you're progressing? How do you know if what you're doing is making an impact? What is the metric that you're using to determine whether all this makes any difference? So, um, you know, we... we have to look at it in a lot of different ways. And I think depending on what you're looking at, you're going to set your metric um, a little bit differently. And certainly none of this uh, happens in a vacuum. And so sometimes we're, um, you know, at the mercy of um, forces outside of our, of our control. Um, so that could be, um, you know, something happening at the state level or at the system level that might kind of um, determine what we can or can't do towards a goal or, or objective that we have. Um, but if we look at something really simple like our emissions or right, which is tied to our energy use, we've you know, um, in some ways cut our energy use down little by little year over year as we mm. improve buildings, um, as we go in and will, um, do these energy projects to switch out light bulbs, right? If you switch out light bulbs across a whole building, right, you're going to start to reduce, um, you know, a bulb that might use 60 watts down to 12, right? And so switching over to things like LED, um, right, is going to reduce your energy use. Well, you spread that out, right, over a couple decades across a, a campus, right, or a university, and you can start to see um, those changes start to add up. Um, so the goals, uh, are, you know, sometimes based on, um, kind of our own internal measure of sort of what we're doing. Um, it's often rooted in what other institutions, right? What other institutions of higher ed are doing. And so there's sort of a, a, a benchmark or a baseline that is kind of generally set that says, Hey, we see a college and university of your size, you know, could or should be using about this much energy mm. based on your, you know, whether you're a cold climate school or a warm climate school, right? Or something like that. So um, there's lots of ways that we can look at best practices or kind of best known information and say, here's what we should be using. Here's what we are using. How do we kind of cut that down? And UWO has received some high marks for what for its efforts is that correct we have yeah so last year um, we won the US Department of Education's Green Ribbon Schools Award um, and so that was 
really based on our 20-year history of a commitment to sustainability. Um, it looks at improvements in facilities. It looks at um, certainly our academics and education related to sustainability. And it also looks at public health. Um, and so I think that's another really important one to focus on. Again, I think because it touches that um, that social equity piece, mm-hmm. um, which you know is something I say often is, um, you know, when we talk about sustainability, when we talk about things like our, um, you know, emissions and all of this stuff, right, that is happening in our world a really, really big unifying theme is public health. And what we're talking about is a, you know, a public health issue um, that we all need to, to rally around and, and, and support each other on. Well, congratulations on the good work that you're doing uh, at the Sustainability Institute for Regional Transformation here at UWO. Thanks so much, Bradley Spanbar, for coming by and talking to us today on UWO Now. All right, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to UWO Now. Remember to catch the latest episode of UWO Now. All you got to do is go to our website, wrst.org, or you can watch us on the UWO YouTube page and, of course, any of those fantastic platforms that carry us, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and many others. That's all the time we're going to have here today on UWO Now. Thanks so much for listening.